0: Hey, Regen, my name is Jacob, and I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from lust, fear of man, pride, and this week, fear of what you might think of me. For many of you, uh, we've probably never met before. Uh, I have the privilege of serving here uh, on staff at Watermark as the director of our men's community. And I'll just start by saying it is really a humbling honor and privilege for me to get to share uh, this time together with you. And so before we jump into God's word together, let me pray. Father, thank you for uh, this evening. God, thank you for all the souls of men and women who you have placed Here in this room tonight, I believe by purpose and by design. And God, we come before you and ask that you would speak to our hearts. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move uh, in our hearts, that you would reveal to us the things which you want us to know of who you are um, and how you are working in our life. And so, God, we pray that you would give us eyes to see, faith to receive the things that you have for us this evening. And we ask all of these things by the name and the power of Jesus. Amen. Well, I wanna paint a picture for you, okay? I am 22 years old at this time. I'm nine months into my new marriage and my wife is seven months pregnant, do the math. Uh, It's pretty overwhelming, season of life for us, but we are out of town at my brother's wedding and he comes out of the reception and he finds me and he's kind of frantic and he goes, hey man, you might wanna get in there. I just heard Brooke say something about contractions. And first thought, I'm going, no way. Two months uh, till our due date, no shot. Uh, Well, sure enough, uh, four hours later, I am bedside to my wife, who is giving birth to our firstborn child uh, in a hospital that we didn't know with doctors that we also didn't know. Um, And unlike what we probably imagined the birth of our firstborn son might look like, Uh, they immediately take him, they put him on oxygen to open his premature lungs so that he can breathe. Uh, They rush him away, um, put uh, monitors kind of all over his body. They measure literally everything. It's crazy. Um, And they get a tube down his throat throat to get kind of nourishment in his bones and in his body. Um, And then we're kind of observing all of this from outside kind of his new little box. Um, And so here's kind of a picture of uh, what kind of the next month of our life looked like. That's our little guy right there. Uh, But this was a moment in my life where if if I'm honest, I was fearful. I was overwhelmed. I was uncertain of what would happen to my boy. uh, And I felt totally out of control or unable to do anything to solve where we were currently at. Uh, This was a real moment where I was thinking to myself, God, what are you doing? Where are you? Surely this can't be your will. It was a moment that I was forced to admit that I didn't understand and I could not explain nor solve the reality of uh, what we were living in. And this was also a time where I was on staff here. I knew God's word and yet I'm experiencing all of these things where I'm going, God, your word says that you're good, but what about right now? I'm supposed to be the professional Christian, right, and have all the answers. I don't have answers for why we're here. And my guess is that you've had moments like that in your life as well, where you've thought to yourself, God, are you really there? Do you actually care about me? What are you doing? Your word says you're working all things together for good, but this moment right now, in this circumstance, surely doesn't look good. And for some of you, there may be events or circumstances like that that are the reason that you may be here tonight. Maybe it's a marriage that's on its last leg or you're dealing with abuse that's been in your past or you're stuck in a uh, cyclical addiction to some kind of sin that you're you're wondering if you'll ever actually be free of and you're trying your hardest to break free of it and wondering, God, are you real? And can I truly know you? And I just want to say, if that is you, You're welcome here, and I'm glad that you are here, and you are not alone. Like There are still days where I ask and wrestle through those types of questions. I can assure you you're in good company, but I think that God wants to meet with you and with us tonight, and that he has a word for us. And I say all of that because as we continue talking about the attributes of God tonight, I think the one that we're going to discuss has the power to provide hope and peace to us regardless of any situation that you may walk in here with this evening. We're going to be discussing the inscrutability of God. That may sound like a big word, but you can define inscrutability as that which is unsearchable, incapable of being fathomed or understood in its entirety, something which is incomprehensible. And as I say that, some of you might be thinking like, bro, how is that gonna provide me any bit of hope in this current circumstances that I'm in? It might make you anxious or unsettled, but here's what I just ask of you. Hang with me because here's what I want you to know tonight is that while we cannot comprehend God in his entirety, he has chosen to reveal himself to us sufficiently. Let me say that again. That while we cannot comprehend God in his entirety, He has chosen to reveal himself to us sufficiently. So I want to talk about those two realities. First, we can't comprehend God in his entirety. For some of you, that feels obvious. For others of you, this again could be unsettling. But here's the truth is that if you read the scriptures, you will find this as a common theme throughout. Why? Why? I think it starts with the understanding that while God has made us in his own image, God as our creator is entirely distinct from us. And so if God is entirely distinct from us, then we cannot comprehend him in his entirety. This is known as the creator creation distinction, the difference between a God who is infinite and we who are finite, the difference between a God who knows no limits and we who are bound by a multitude of limitations. And God has made this abundantly clear through his word. Isaiah 55, eight and nine says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 40 verses 25 and 26. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. In reality, I could go verse after verse after verse of God showing us as his people. You will not fully comprehend the magnitude of who he is. The book of Job, Romans 9, Romans 11, the book of Psalms. We could go on. But the reason I say that is because I think so often we make God to be something that he's not. In fact, we try to minimize God. We make him far too small. And I think it's some of our feeble attempts to lessen him to that which we can fully comprehend that actually lays at the root of so much of our hopelessness, our despair, our anxiety, and our worry when life doesn't go like we thought it should go. Because he is God, we are not. He is infallible, we are not. While we don't fully understand, we, he, we believe that he does. You see, it's God's inscrutability that keeps us humble, dependent, and in reverence of who he is. But it is also the inscrutability of God that makes him a God who is worthy to be worshiped, and to be followed. Why? Because while he's incomprehensible, he's not a God who's far off or distant, detached, or removed from us. But he has chosen to reveal himself to us sufficiently. That while he is uh, transcendent, he is also imminent. While he is completely outside of us, he longs to be with us and dwell amongst us. And so that's our second point, is that God has chosen to reveal himself to us sufficiently. You see, the Christian faith is not some shallow deism that God set this clock in motion and then was like, all right, now I'm dismissed and I don't care what happens. Hope they figure it out. That is not the God who we worship. No, he has by his own will chosen to reveal himself to us, even in the midst of our sin and our brokenness. And he's done this primarily in four ways. The first is through natural revelation. You can think of this as creation and conscience. Uh, Creation, that design points to a designer. Look at the world around us. Look at your own human body and the intricacies of how it functions. Design has to point to a designer. Conscience, something tells me that if I were to uh, take just a smooth right hook to one of you who I do not know on the front row in here, you'd be like, dude, what is your problem? Like that is not okay, that's not appropriate. There's something that we have been given that tells us and that we know between right and wrong. We've been given a conscience because God has written his law upon the heart of men. Second, we have been given history that our Bible is anchored to and revealed in historical fact. It's not mythology. You can test these things with archaeological evidence and manuscripts and other things. Thirdly, speaking of manuscripts, is scripture, that God has given us his revealed word. Uh, Our Bible, a collection of 66 books over 1,500 years, 40 plus different authors, three continents, three languages, all with one central theme and story, pointing us to hope in one man who is Jesus Christ. And that's the fourth and final way that God has chosen to reveal himself to us is that God became man. Let that sink in. God became man. Colossians 1 says this, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus is before all things. And in Jesus, all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything Jesus might be preeminent. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of Jesus' cross. Friends, God has most clearly revealed himself in the person and work of his own son, Jesus. A God who is willing to come and to take on the form of man, descending from heaven. A God who knew no bounds that would go to be bound for our sake and nailed to a cross for our sins to make a way that we would have right relationship with him. Way different than a God who is distant and removed and doesn't care. God acquainted himself in the person of Christ with our sorrows, with our suffering. Hebrews says that he's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses for he was a man and yet he is perfect to provide us hope and healing and access to God. It is through Jesus that we come to know of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we would be filled with all the fullness of God which means this, is that God is not just bigger than we thought, but he is better than we thought or could imagine. He's not just transcendent, he is imminent. And listen to this, God isn't just bigger than your problems, he cares about your problems. And he's provided solution and hope for your problems because he loves you, because he loves you. And so God is knowable through his self-revelation to give us hope, to give us life, and to give us peace in him regardless of our circumstances. And so while we do not know him entirely, we are able to know him sufficiently. So how do you respond to this? First, you could choose to reject this altogether, which I believe will lead you to a really hopeless road. Second, you can choose to try to make God some, a being that you can control, which I believe will lead you to despair when life doesn't go the way you thought it would or you, he doesn't seem to be operating the way you think he should. Or thirdly, we can come to surrender to him, which I know will lead to hope and peace and freedom and life. And so wherever you are tonight, I would just invite you to take one step And that's simply to consider the person of Jesus and ask God to reveal himself to you. His word says that when you seek him and you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. And so friends, regardless of your circumstance, I would invite you to consider Jesus and to reflect on who he is. And if I can end with this, I'm thankful that my son today is healthy and well. People are always like, dude, you better make sure to say that. Um, But even if he wasn't, right, like as I look back on that season of us in the hospital, uh, my wife and I regularly reflect now on just things that we couldn't see or understand then that we see a little bit more clearly now. And friends, I say that because that's our hope as Christians. That's our hope that one day we will know and we will see clearly the things which we only see dimly right now. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 13, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And so friends, this is what the hope that we sang about, the living hope that we look forward to is that one day we will see Jesus, King Jesus, face to face. And it says we will see him and we will become like him. And that is our blessed hope, that we would know him who surpasses our knowledge.